The Thriving Over Surviving podcast is for informational and inspirational purposes and not meant to be medical advice. Please consult your physician for any medical issues you may be facing. The opinions expressed by guests and advertisers are their own and not necessarily the opinions of Thriving Over Surviving podcast. I think it's everyone has days where, you know, you do feel you are really down in the dumps and stuff like that. And it is easy to have like a pity party. But I do try to tell myself now, like, that's so you know that's okay and have that time and then you know what can you do to like feel better welcome to another episode of the thriving over surviving podcast where we discuss the ups and downs of our autoimmune diagnoses but ultimately how we thrive in spite of it i'm your host Edie sahesian i was diagnosed in 2015 with multiple sclerosis I've learned a lot about MS in myself over the past few years, but the most important thing I realize is that I am going to live my best life. MS and other autoimmune diseases tend to be a bit of a bummer if we let them. So why not battle back by finding our joy? How do you cope with chronic illness? Cope or coping is defined as a struggle or deal with something, overcome problems and difficulties. We all cope with things in different ways. The word cope actually can have a negative connotation. So some may use the term manage, not to sound harsh. I I think we don't always need to sugarcoat things though. (laughs) Putting our issues on the table and figuring out ways to cope with them is healthy. Through her blog, Chronically Sam, Samantha Bromfield does exactly that with compassion and fun. She shares how she copes with chronic illness. Diagnosed about seven years ago with relapsing remitting MS, Sam began her blog on Instagram sharing her journey. Now she has her very own website. At 30 years old, Sam now calls herself a typical millennial who loves her dog and who loves having having her nose always in a book. So let's chat it up with Sam. Hi, thank you for being here with me today. Thank you for inviting me. Okay, when I have someone from a foreign land from the United States, we always have to talk about this. So you are across the pond, yes? I am over in the UK. I hope I don't start taking on your accent as we have our chat. I will try not to do that because it's so tempting. I definitely, I, I cannot do an American accent, like, at all. Like, at all. Why would you want to? Yours is so much more lovely. <laughs> I, not even, like, not even a stereotypical, I feel like Southern would be where people would go. No, for my own humility, I'm not even <laughs> <laughs> So it's so great getting to talk to people from around the world and hear their perspective on things. And so we really want to learn a little bit more about you, Sam. Will you share your diagnosis story with us? Yeah, of course. So back in 2015, I always always forget the year now. (laughs) Um, So it's a bit of like, it's a really short diagnosis story that has a lot of like build up to it that I tend to kind of not always go through because when it actually came to it, it all happened really quickly. So basically in 2015, I had what was a really bad relapse and my legs started going numb. And because it was such a a big thing, like I just couldn't walk. So I was straight in hospital and I had a lumbar puncture, an MRI. I think I was only in there a week and I left being told 
you've got MS. We'll have to wait a few months for the lumbar puncture results, but we're like 99.9% sure it's MS. So it actually happened really, really quickly. But if I think about it, I think it was like, they said they thought I'd probably had it or developed it five years prior. And I did used to have, like my hands would go numb and I wouldn't be able to grip anything or write or anything like that. And it would come and go. And I'd been going to my doctors and saying about it and different things are thrown out like, oh, maybe it's carpal tunnel or maybe it's stress, which I know is a big one for people. Like maybe it's this, maybe it's that. But because it would get better, obviously relapse and remitting, I just kind of was like, well, I'm not getting much help here. It gets better. I'll move on, you know? And and it wasn't anything that was drastically, like I, I'd found ways to cope with it. I think up until that point, but then obviously the same feeling. It was weird because I remember thinking that I could tell that it was the same feeling in my legs that I'd been getting in my hands. And that it was so hard to explain to people that I just knew the same thing was happening as that numbness was like creeping down them. And so then, yeah, it all happened really quickly. I think I went into hospital in, I think it was July. And then my official diagnosis was like late September. So, yeah. And did you go right on a DMT? What did that look like for you? Yeah, I did go right on a DMT. It, it takes some time. I, I don't know about where you are, but to go through all the meetings and to discuss them all. So it wasn't until January the following year that I actually started it. But that was seen as like straight away. You know, that was by the time I'd met my neurologist and talked through the different treatments and managed to get them and had the MRIs and everything that goes with it. And I chose Tecfidera. I don't know whether like if we have like people listening have the same one, but it's a tablet that I took twice a day. Yeah. And how did that work for you? So, yeah, it was okay, I'd say. That's probably the DMT that I so, well, I was on for quite a long time. I think I was on it for like 18 months. The tablet itself is pretty hardcore. Like it came with a lot of side effects like stomach issues flushing was one of them so I'd literally go the color of my jumper <laughs> I'd be like bright red yeah yeah okay yeah. we're all about listening and I remember I'd always be at work and no matter how many times I said to those around me like this might happen like it's nothing to worry about they'd be like are you okay? Are you okay? Are you really hot? Are you okay? <laughs> They're like, something's wrong, you're bright red. And I was like, it's fine, just ignore it, like, carry on. But yeah, it, it did have quite a few side effects, but nothing that, I know some people that go on it, it's too much for them, like, it really does disrupt their life. Everything was pretty manageable, and eventually it did die down, and it was just, like, the flushing that I would get occasionally. However, I did have two relapses on it, so... I went back to my neurologist and he sort of said, you know, maybe it's worth trying something else. So then I went over to Galenia, which is another tablet, but that one you only take once a day. And I wasn't on that for very long at all. I think it was under a year. Nothing bad to say about it in the sense that it didn't give me any side effects. It was absolutely fine. It just didn't work for me. Like I had a relapse on it. It just wasn't the one. I feel like this list like never ends. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it, we are all in that same boat. Then I, in 2019, had Lemtrada, which I know has, over here, it has like three different names. Like my hospital also call it Campath, 
I don't know if you've heard of that. But I think that's the nickname they call it because they piloted it and it's Cambridge Pathology. So I think it's just a word they call it. And then also, I think it's also Alentuzumab, is it? Like the medical name? I don't know. Lemtrada will go with. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. So I had that in 2019 and then I had it in 20, like my second round in 2020, but it was delayed because of COVID. And six months after having it, unfortunately, I had another relapse. And it, oh, no. Yeah, and I had an MRI and basically they just said it, it hadn't worked. So, <laughs> fourth and hopefully <laughs> final, I am now on Ocrevus, which is an infusion as well. I had my first one last August and I'm due it again on uh, yeah Valentine's Day this year. All right. Oh, what a great day. <laughs> nice little treat for me. Yes. And so has the Ocrevus been working then? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so this one you have every six months and it's just how I would describe it. It was just like a really, really mild version of Lemtrada. Like having had Lemtrada, I found the Ocrevus infusion a walk in the park. Like it was it was like 15 minutes of steroids and then like three hours of the infusion and I felt fine. I literally went to work the next day. It, yeah, it, it was really toler tolerable. Yeah. So fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed for sure. For sure. I know. Like, so when you had those relapses, did your symptoms linger or have they pretty much subsided? So I'd say mostly throughout the years. I, because a lot of my relapses affected my walking, it always seemed to target my legs. And so there has been somewhat like a deterioration over the years. The only other thing that I did get quite bad was optic neuritis once in one of my eyes. That fully recovered. And I don't, I don't have an issue with that at all anymore. But I think I had a relapse in early 2020. And then because the world just like shut down, I feel like I didn't fully recover because I wasn't going out and doing as much, if that makes sense, because a lot of it was my walking. And so even just little things like walking into a shop or walking from where my car was to work because I was working from home, I feel like it took me a lot longer to recover from that one. Have you been able to pinpoint what the cause of those relapses have been for you? Like if you have a trigger? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I sometimes think because I've also had bladder Botox a few times. And there was a couple okay. of years where the relapse came shortly after that. And it is quite an invasive treatment. So I, I, I have my suspicions that it could be that. But the, I've got no, you know, there's no way of really knowing. Because that bladder Botox is supposed to help with the symptoms, right? Yeah, and it, and it does. It helps that. But I wonder if perhaps, yeah, the just the invasiveness of it maybe triggers like stress in your body. I, I don't know that there's nothing that's really ever stood out to me as as causing it. And hopefully this this new DMT will help. And you use a uh, mobility aid, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. 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 And so yeah. that helps you to get around and things. Yeah, massively. I use a walking stick pretty much all the time now, depending on like, if it's literally say I go to my parents' house, 
pull up in the car. I don't need it to like walk into their house, but if like going around a shop or anything like that or going out somewhere I'm unfamiliar with, I will take that. And I have been, I'd say that I am still making progress each day because tail end of last year, perhaps even going into a big supermarket, I was having to use a wheelchair. And there's been a few times now that I've like got around it with just my walking stick and stuff. So yeah, and I think your mindset is really helping with that and the way that you cope. And so you had mentioned that your core values were compassion and fun, which in reading mm-hmm. your blog, I can see that all over the place. <laughs> so tell me, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the compassion part first. And when you say that, are you talking about compassion for others, compassion for your own chronic illness what does that look and sound like for you yeah I feel like for everyone myself included I just think that I I sort of toyed over like it's kindness and things like that but compassion personally I feel like was just a bit more I don't know relatable sort of thing to how I am and I just think it's really important to just have compassion for people in general, and myself, which ironically, I feel like a lot of people will say when they have like values and things like that, they always find it hardest themselves and probably a work in progress for compassion when it comes to myself. (laughs) But when it comes to other people, like that's, that's probably where my focus goes to. Yeah, it's easier to have compassion for others, I feel, than for yourself. But like you say, it's a work in progress. So you're trying to live into that value. Would you say that you, as a result, go a little easier on yourself and don't judge yourself so harshly? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think it's everyone has days where you know you do feel you are really down in the dumps and stuff like that and it is easy to have like a pity party but I do try to tell myself now like that's you know that's okay and have that time and then you know what can you do to like feel better yes yeah because yeah listen okay so getting this at 24 I actually was diagnosed in 2015 also you gotta like take a minute to recognize the fact that this is something that's happening and I can't blame myself for this. And mm. as a result, I need to consider the fact that I I just need to chill a little bit yeah. and not like be angry and live in that anger and fear of what's going to happen, but rather be that compassionate person and think through and how you can move on. I, I think that's pretty, that's so healthy and mature of you, Samantha. Yeah. And, but I, it hasn't, it definitely hasn't always been like that. Like I, I used to, and I used to say it in quite a self-deprecating way, I guess, but there was definitely truth to it. I would always be like, I hate my body. Like, you know and kind of like throwing it out there in a joke way like oh my body's doing this thing I hate my body but I think I did have a year or two where I, I really meant it you know and I would be like I hate my body for this and so I think that's why then like compassion is such an important one to me because I've sort of tried to change that to I'm not it's, it, I'm not at war with myself. Like we're, we're getting through it. We're doing good. <laughs> I love that. That's such a great forward thinking mindset because yeah. so much future ahead of you and to live in that yeah. negativity, that negative space is, is not going to be beneficial in the long run. Yeah. 
I really like, I don't know whether it's like someone really like well-known the saying or if it's just a saying that I see sometimes it says you either get better or you get bitter (laughs) I know but I love and I really really like that because like obviously not better as in like I'm cured like it's a miracle but you can still get better within yourself can't you rather than get bitter and so I, I try I try remember that one I like that one I like that too. That's great. I'm going to, if it's okay with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or borrow. I should say borrow. Yeah. <laughs> but like I said, I, I, I could be quoting someone there. I'm not really sure <laughs> who said it, but right. someone wise said it. <laughs> someone wise. It could be you. I mean, that's good yeah. too. <laughs> I mean, I'll take it. If no one, yeah. if no one wants to claim it, I'll take it. But the other piece is fun. And to me, I want to know what that is like to you because fun is different things to different people. But even in just talking to you in the last 20 minutes or so, I mean, you're just smiling and you you (laughs) add some some kind of hopefulness, I guess, to everything. Being in your blog too, I mean, you're a little silly. So I want to hear what this fun sounds like. I think for me, it's it's socialising. Like that's where I draw my fun from, from like my friends and my partner and things like that. And it doesn't even have to be anything massive that we're doing. We could just be hanging out, but if we're having like a good laugh, then it's it's that sort of fun that I like. And that's been a huge thing, really, because I've tried to. Another thing I've tried to like stop and think about over the years is if I do miss out on certain experiences or certain things that are happening, I try to think to myself, would I actually want to do that? Or am I just sad because I can't do it? You know, like I try to think, well, if I could, would I even want to? And that has massively helped me when I am with friends and we are doing things, just be in that moment and just enjoy what we are doing, even if it is just like having a cup of tea and hanging out around each other's house or whatever it is. I I like to have a laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it it has made me value and appreciate those things more. I called my friend last night and I'm like, I need, cause she, she moved, she moved away. And once in a while we'll do happy hour on the phone Mm. and we'll play games or something. And I just really needed that last night, that socialization and fun. Yeah. Just it, it's not even a big deal. I'm just having a conversation with a friend, but yeah. it it got me out of my funk. It gave it re-energized me, things like that. So I can totally relate to that socialization piece. Mm-hmm. How do you try to incorporate those things in the blog that you have? Well, I I am really lucky in that I have close set of friends that have been my friends since school. So we've just been a close knit group. And so I feel like being around them and having the fun stuff that we do and having a laugh, because that'll be like actively in my brain. I don't know, I just, with them, I try to keep things, I don't want to say I try to keep things light because that sounds like, obviously I do, like they are my closest friends and they, you know, it's not always fun, like through thick and thin. But I feel like then when I'm trying to write something, to me, I feel like I'm able to portray myself more if I'm doing it in like a more fun, readable way, you know? It's hard to kind of like portray what I mean, but I think in my own head, I don't like the narrative that is going on is like that. So I'm literally trying to write how I would speak to my friends or to my partner. Is, I think is what I'm trying to say. So rather than like, yeah, how would this, 
how would this sound or how can I get my point across? I try worry less about that and just literally write as if I am saying it out loud to somebody. Because <laughs> it's real. What you say, it, it sounds real. Yeah. And you're like, knock the shit off. Yeah. And let's move on. Yeah. Right. You're not sugarcoating stuff. You're talking like it, it sounds like I'm talking to my friend when I read this. Yeah. And I'm so glad when people say that to me, like, I've said to a few people that is the number one compliment I get, especially with people that know me in like real life when they say, I can hear you saying that. And I'm like, I'm so glad that comes across because, because it is just, I'm like, I'm just going to write what I'd say. Sometimes I think, are people thinking, what is she going on about? Because <laughs> to me, I'm like, this is great. This is hilarious. <laughs> so I'm glad that it sort of translates to other people as well. <laughs> so I have started doing a little teaching of children lately just to help out at one of my, my schools because I support schools and, you know, they're kids. So I make these like dad jokes that I think are hilarious. And I look around and I'm like, come on, you guys, we're laughing here. We got to enjoy the day. And yeah, I can totally relate to that. But yes, it just sounds when I'm reading your blog, like I'm sat, I'm talking to or listening to a friend chat it up. So that's pretty neat and a great compliment. One thing I'm, yeah. And one thing I'm trying to work on with it though, is that now because it is very much like it has to be sunk in the forefront of my mind, I'm trying to sort of build up getting like a schedule of posting because the last thing I sort of, I don't like to force myself to sit down and write about a topic. Like I, I won't think, oh, I, I should talk about this today. So I'll I'll write it because they tend to be the stuff that I'm not as happy with because it doesn't seem as natural. So I'll be, it'll be like 11 o'clock at night, I can't sleep and I'll have something in my brain and I'll type it onto my phone. <laughs> yes. Just so that I've got it as like a backlog rather than having that time of like, all right, I better, I better write something now. <laughs> yeah, don't you have to be in like the right mood to let all of that out? Definitely. I can't just be like, right, at three o'clock today, I'm going to write this really good blog post because I'd, I'd just be like, I wouldn't know what to say. It has to it just, when it comes, it comes. <laughs> yeah, it's organic. That's your way of getting out everything. It doesn't need to be a job. Exactly. It doesn't need to be on a regular schedule. Yeah. We will take whatever you have to offer us because it's good stuff. And people need to express themselves, especially when they're having a good day or having some struggles, right? Yeah. And so what can you share with us for people that haven't read your blog? What you mostly, what's your message is? One of my popular ones is what being chronically ill in my 20s has taught me. Mm. And I sort of started off by going through that part of me wanted to say it taught me compassion and empathy and all this. And I was like, but as much as it did, it was very, that was very generic. I felt like it in and it wasn't something that I've perfected because I don't think really, well, for me personally, I've got to 30 and I've been like, right, I'm a solid person. <laughs> I've perfected everything. I know what I'm doing. So I kind of wanted to go more down the route of like, wherever you are right now is okay. Like we're all learning. We're all going through it. Everyone has bad days. Like it, you don't have to constantly be this like living your best life thing that is like pushed in your face. Mm -hmm. 
because everyone's best life is different, you know? So there's there's no point being like, right, this this is the ideal life that I want to live and then beating yourself up if you don't compare to it. So I think through humour and through just sharing the experiences that I've had, I'm just trying to like show people as as cliche as it is, like it's okay to not be okay and it and it's okay to just feel how you feel. You know, I'm constantly touting live your best life, but like you said, it looks different to everybody. Yeah. Well, that's the key, isn't it? Live your best life. Like not Instagram's best life or <laughs> not like your not your friend's best life. Like, yeah, live your best life. Yeah, because I've heard you say in your blog, you can't compare yourself to others, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that is a key thing because that's how things like social media become toxic for us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's so important, isn't it? That it's, especially like any social media, it is just a snapshot of like someone's day doesn't show you anything that actually happened within that day. Right. So it's okay. If, like you said, if you see something and you're like, oh, they look like they're having a great time. That shouldn't affect how you feel about yourself. Absolutely. At all. Absolutely. Healthy ways to, to be in social media and some unhealthy ways. And so mm. learning that is important because there was times when I was like, I'm not doing this anymore because I wasn't in like meaning I'm not going to go in and explore Facebook today Yeah, because I wasn't in a good mindset and things weren't great for me and I couldn't feel all the 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 feelies and the good stuff from mm. others there's an ebb and flow right yeah I think for me personally as well I when I was first diagnosed even though it wasn't it wasn't even that long ago in the grand scheme of things like Instagram all social media was still in full bloom but at the time it was Facebook that I was sort of like diverted to like the support groups and things like that and I did feel a bit like there was a lot of negativity in them and a lot of like, well, I'm worse, I'm worse, I'm worse. And and that's not a bash on anyone because like you said, people are trying to find their community and they're perhaps comparing themselves. But I'd say in the more recent years, moving over to Instagram, I've I've had nothing but good experiences there. Like I feel like I found such a supportive community of people that that get it but also also appreciate when they don't get it which I think is such a huge thing as well like you don't have to understand everything that someone is going through which is a big part of compassion for me you just have to understand that they are going through it yeah a hundred percent and yeah I like that there's options right if I go on Facebook I'm gonna go in some groups and if I have questions that's where I go to ask people, oh yeah right mm -hmm. and then on Instagram I'm looking to be motivated like people on there want to you know just be in a in a really positive space in my opinion yeah and so I go there for more fun and then yeah. I also go on Twitter and I get information yeah. that leads me to ask more questions and there's so many outlets now there's like the shifts MS yeah. and my my MS yeah. team and there's so many different places that somebody somewhere sometime you're gonna find your place mm. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think, especially on my Instagram as well, I've been quite fortunate that I've got such a mix of people that probably follow me because some days I'll post all about MS or chronic illness and that. And then other days I'm just posting pictures of a book that I read. (laughs) (laughs) And so luckily people like it and they stick around. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the books. I'm a huge reader, like fam. Yeah. Like how many a week? Well, that's the thing. That did intimidate me a little bit on Instagram because some people are like, I read a hundred books this year. Like, I'm not the quickest reader. I just am constantly reading, if that makes sense. So rather than be like, oh, I've read like this many books a week or this many books a month, I just I just like to constantly sort of read. If I proper get stuck into one, probably about like two or three days to read it. But I then I struggle to then move on to the next one straight away because like it's just in my head still. <laughs> yeah, because you read intense books. What's your genre? I really like thriller, I'd say. Yeah. But like domestic thriller where it's like people's relationships, if that makes sense. Okay. It's like a domestic thriller rather than like a, a crime book. It would be like Girl on the Train, if it, like that sort of thing where it's about their their life as well. Yeah, and I can sort of thing. I can see how that can get stuck in your head a little bit because yeah. it's yeah. it's psychological really those thrillers mm-hmm. and out the ways people handle them not necessarily I'm going to go run into the burning building instead of getting in the car and making yeah. a good choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what got you into all of the books and things? When did that start for you? So, I've always like read quite a lot. I think um literally since I it always sounds so cliche I'm like I've always read since I was a kid (laughs) but I did like when I was younger I was a big reader and we have like six weeks holiday in the summer in the UK I assume that's the same that's the same everywhere and like our library used to do like reading challenges and things so I've always been a reader and then I probably picked it back up again like maybe in my like 14 to 16 probably stopped and then around about 16 I read Twilight <laughs> and it was the, it was those books that just got me straight back into it. So ever since then, I just was constantly reading. And I remember when I set up Chronically Sam and I'd had a few like dabbled in a few like pages before then, it was all chronic illness related. And as much as I, I love that side of it and I love being able to talk about things and explore it, I started to think, Oh, there's there's also another massive part of my life that I talk about all the time and I, I want to talk about all that you know like I want to be like have you read this what did you think to this and so I thought I'm just I'm just going to incorporate it because like everyone says like MS isn't my sole personality trait and so why not it's my Instagram page especially isn't I'm not looking to make an income for you know like it's nothing like that so I'm just like, well, I'm just going to post what I want to post on there. And so it happens with pictures of my books these days. <laughs> <laughs> and But that's you, right? Because there is more to yeah. you than chronic illness and MS. I mean, yeah. there is yeah. a lot more to explore. And it doesn't define you as a human. The way that you deal with things and cope, that's more of a mm. defining component. Yeah. And so in addition to the books, which I find is awesome, I'm more of a movie person. I feel 
Help me with this, Sam. I feel like when I read, which I like to read, I, I read mostly for work. I have been reading some more MS, Don Marie Deshaies. I guess that it, it's a chronicle of her life. But anyways, mm. I feel like it is, I'm being so selfish because I'm taking myself out of whatever situation is there. And I'm just in my own thought. And I don't know why I feel selfish about that. Yeah. But like when a movie's on, I can always pause it and like keep going or I'm still like in the world. Talk to me about how that that yeah. is good for you and, and what you get out of it. Yeah. No, I, I totally see what you mean, because if I because I really like watching movies and stuff like my partner as well. And it is easier to not concentrate, I think. So like if I need to look at my phone or if I've got something on my mind, I find it, it easier to watch the film or TV series and still be constantly thinking about it. So reading helps me because that's it. Like, like you said, your full concentration is in that book to focus on it. And I think it's fine. Like, so for me, it's finding time when you can definitely do it. Because if I sit down and try read when I have got 50 million other things in my head that really are calling for my attention or I should be doing something else or I want to be doing something else, I won't read. You know, I've, I've sort of got into that habit of only sitting down and fully diving into the book when I know I can switch off from everything else. Because then you haven't got that sort of thought in the back of your head like, oh, I should be doing this, I need to be doing this or, oh, could I, you know, is there something else that's more important that I should be doing? You just get to relax and enjoy what you're reading. Yeah. And I just think it's like the taking the time for yourself and what you need. Yeah. 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 Okay. I need to be more in that place because when I read, I, I enjoy it. I just, yeah. It's something that I need to do for myself, I think. Not that everybody yeah. needs to read or whatever it is that no, you're into. Like I know a few people have said to me before, they feel almost like it's lost time. Like, you know, they should be doing something else. Yeah. And I think it's just changing your mindset to the same could be said for like, anything really couldn't it? Yeah. Exercising, for example, like if I'm yeah. exercising, I got to just focus on that. Right. Yeah. So that mind body yeah. connection and, and all of those things. And so I I think that it's it's really a thing that I gotta always be doing things for other people and sometimes it's mm -hmm. it's okay to focus on myself, right? And I think that as a society we've it's very heavily driven, isn't it, for like to be productive. And so sometimes it can feel like, oh, you know, this isn't productive, but yeah, I've had I've years of experience of, yeah, just being like, nope, I'm just going to read. <laughs> Luckily, my partner is a massive like gamer. Uh -huh. So that kind of works out because he'll be like, oh, I'm going to play my game. And I'm like, oh, well, I can I can read because it is harder. If he says like, oh, I really want to watch this film. I really want to do that. I get what you mean. It's hard to be like, oh, well, I really want to read on my own. So <laughs> yeah, because you can do that with him. I love that you take the time for yourself. You said some really great things today, like be better, not bitter. Was that it? Did you, is that what it is? Yep. I love it. Yep. I, I, I'm going to put it on a sticky and, and keep it on my yeah. mirror. Cause I think that's great. <laughs> Focusing on socialization. I'm um, loving those little laughs that come along 
finding your people, escaping in a book. And like we were just talking about taking that time for yourself. Sam, thank you so, so much for being with me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been really fun. Absolutely. I want to know, and the listeners want to know, where can we find you so that we can um, experience all this great stuff? Yeah, so Instagram's probably the best way to communicate with me, and it's just at chronically.sam. I have Facebook as well, the full name is Samantha Bromfield, but I, I don't, I tend to just stalk in the background on that. There's not much on there. <laughs> so yeah, Instagram's probably the best way, and in my bio on Instagram is also the link to my blog. So, but if you don't have Instagram, the blog is just literally www.chronicallysam.com.co.uk. Dot com, one of those. <laughs> yeah, .co.uk, I believe it is. The .co.uk, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we'll have all that information for everybody in the podcast little bio piece, but it will also be on my website. If you are looking to dive into your core values and figure out where those are, lie in your life, please head on over to the website at thrivingoversurvivingpodcast.com. Sam, again, thanks so much for being here with me. Keep thriving. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Thriving Over Surviving Podcast. If you would like to join our growing community of thrivers, there are a lot of ways to do so. Visit the website at thrivingoversurvivingpodcast.com. There you'll find links to all our social media, my blog, and lots more. See you next time when we chat it up with another autoimmune warrior on the Thriving Over Surviving podcast. Keep thriving. Thriving.